This week's episode is brought to you by Varley, again, because without him, we'd all be too depressed to record today. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, folks? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Foster, and locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 25th, 2016. Coming up on the show, one D prospect is still with the team, one goalie against the world, eight points book it, T-Pain approved victories and all that. But before we play the loosh, one disembodied voice to introduce today, and that is Ryan Murphy once again. Hi, Ryan. Howdy. So as busy as this month has been, as you might imagine, we had four games to run down. So here they come. Where I clicked that button sooner than it came up. Colorado's busy January keeps on busying. On Monday, the Avs win, or in Monday in Winnipeg. See, I wrote on Monday win Winnipeg, apparently, and didn't notice it. On Monday in Winnipeg, Avs win 2-1 over the Jets with goals from Colorado, or from, God, Lord. You want to read my notes for me? <laughs> <laughs> goals from Carl Soderberg and Jerome McGinley. It was a much more exciting game than Jets games usually are for once. Uh, Varlamov stopped 33 of 34 on the way to his first star honors, and somehow Blake Wheeler took 10 of those shots himself. Uh, Learn to pass, dude, bro. It was a decent game in net from Winnipeg's rookie goaltender, Connor Hedman. Uh, have you heard of this guy? I have not. He didn't look bad for them. No, he looked pretty good, actually. Just not as good as his opponents. No. That's that would be the kicker here, and apparently he has looked not bad for quite a while. I mean, I've heard uh, some words indicating that he might be getting called or attention. But well, then on Wednesday, Avs win a dreadful one, two-one over the Buffalo Sabers. Alex Tanguay got his third of the year, and Francois Beauchemin put home the winner with 32 seconds to play. Varley stopped 27 of 28 to keep an absurdly listless Avalanche squad in this one long enough for Buffalo to accidentally lose it. I was honestly pretty convinced by mid-second period that the entire team was on way too many painkillers. This one was just not much of an effort for most of the game. Slow motion. But as slow and painful as that one was, Colorado welcomed the Blues on Friday with a bang, out shooting them 41-34 to on the way to a 2-1 shootout win. First time the Avs have had a shootout this season, and Nathan McKinnon has still not learned any new moves. Gabe Landeskog responsible for your shootout winner as nobody else scored, and McKinnon with one of the prettiest passing plays ever to set up his game-tying goal in the final minute. Finally, Brian Elliott seemed unbeatable that night. Colorado played well enough to win this one 3-1, honestly, happy to finally solve him. And then the next night, Colorado took a schedule loss to Dallas and got smoked to the tune of 106 shot attempts against. That's the most in a regular season game since Toronto put 116 in 2009. November 2009. Real early in the year. I was surprised to see it was Toronto that did that. But Semyon Varlamov happened. He made 42 saves, was perfect at even strength, and despite a parade of penalties between the 18th and 30th minute, the Landis... Landeskog and Soderberg found two shorthanded goals, and Mikhail Grigorenko put one home late in the third to ice it. 3-1. Abs get their eighth point in six days. What a crap win. What a week. What can you say? I still like it. <laughs> I still like it, Steph. I'll take it every time. <laughs> it's hard to argue with points. Yep, especially against division opponents. I mean, we're running away with the Central Division uh, record title here. Yeah. Only accounted for something. <laughs> if only it was like conference records in NCAA right you know but you're going to have games like that and if you pull out a win on a back to back against a good Dallas team and you do not have your legs you don't have your best stuff uh, by all means just take it any way you can get it I don't think there's a whole lot to say about that game basically nobody played worth a damn except the goaltender you could see it right from the get go too I mean, I think I made an observation on Twitter. I don't think they had a controlled zone entry until seven minutes into the game. It was really that bad. I would believe it. Um, they were outshot like six to one in the first five minutes, and it got worse from there. Yep. Uh, the one exception would, uh, I, I think, would be when Jack Skilly caught a pass on a breakaway and got a shot off. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get his skates under him afterwards and ended up crashing right into the boards. 
Yeah, that was <clears throat> probably part of the issue when the team's down uh, basically an entire line because now you're just having to roll whoever in that fourth line spot. Of course, that did end up putting Grigorenko on a, on a line with Matt Duchesne at one point. So It did, and what happened then? Uh, remind me, what happened? Um, well, see, the puck went into the offensive zone, which I had forgotten was legal, and uh, somehow kind of went to went to Grigorenko who took a shot and it, the shot got stopped but then he like took another one and that one didn't get stopped so the puck went into the net is that what I'm gathering here not only that it went into the net behind the opposing goaltender this is Mikhail nine minutes a game Grigorenko yeah that one the same huh. well uh color me surprised so Jack Skilly didn't return after the blow that he took to his shoulder, back, and general, all of him. Uh, we haven't had any word yet on how bad that injury might be. As the only no, only thing that we know right now is that he's not on IR, nobody's been called up, and no one has said anything. Right. It could be one of those things where you give Wagner a start because he's sore um, just in his place, but right now we've yet to have any news of a transaction. So uh, hoping for the best right now. And the reason that we even mention a transaction would be that last night Miko Rantanen had a hat trick and has in general started tearing the AHL to shreds. And one of my Twitter questions today from Trent Manchester is, is it time to call up Miko Rantanen? Tough question. <laughs> uh, I mean, right now, where do you put him? Uh, where do the abs have a room and where is their coach willing to put him in the lineup? And if that's not somewhere where he's going to get more than 12 minutes a game, then is it worth it at this point? Right now, the fourth line is very effective as a fourth line. Um, and that's with Skilly on it or with Wagner on it, quite mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, you, could, you can just shift Grigorenko to the wing very easily, and you've still got your same fourth line, which is Wagner in the middle instead. Right. So, I mean, the only... It makes sense to call up Rantanen if you finally decide that Alex Tangay is not getting it done for your hockey team. And that's why I say the coach has to make the decision that that player is not worthy of your top line anymore. And you're not going to be giving him the 20 minutes a game approximately he's been getting. Because he's not making it happen. He's got, he scored on Friday, right? Yeah. Or was it Wednesday? Wednesday. He scored on Wednesday against Buffalo. There's been so many games that it's just difficult. Um, he scored on Wednesday against Buffalo, and like he looked like he was ready to scream so loud the roof came off the building just from his own voice, not to mention anybody else helping. Because he's been like over every yeah. I mean, he Tangate's never been much of a guy to shoot a lot. Never will be. But he's not been in much of a position to shoot a whole lot this season because he's just been one step behind or can't quite handle a pass or one step ahead and now offside. And, <laughs> like, every game we get a completely unnecessary offside from Alex Tange. It's ridiculous. Uh, only one would be welcome most of the time. <laughs> Merely one. <laughs> Merely one. So, um... I think we're in agreement that then that we probably, based on what the coaching staff is going to do with this roster, we probably don't want to see Randon yet. Not quite. I mean, we did get the comment from Wa a couple weeks ago that they were considering bringing up Randon the same time they made all those moves on defense. Right. So you know they're watching him. Uh, you know they have him in mind for something. And I don't think they mind letting him go over his game limit this year if it's worth playing him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the move that you have to make in order to bring him up, I think, concerns the team right now. And there's some veterans that you're either sitting or you're relegating to a fourth line in very minimal minutes in order to play him. And uh, I don't think they're willing to make that move yet. And, you know, they're winning right now, so I understand why. And it's a good problem to have. I mean, all your top forwards are healthy. Correct. Uh, we're not going to complain healthy. about that. <laughs> no, uh First real injury we've seen in a little while in the forward group is uh, Skilly, and uh, we're not sure what the extent of that injury is yet, but top guys have been good to go. I mean, that's that's still a fourth-line guy. I mean, as, as important as he really has been to this roster, it's a fourth-line guy. Right. 
Yep. Uh, it's been a great offseason signing, and I, I really hope he doesn't miss a lot of time because he you know, fills a niche for this team that's essential. I mean, you need somebody like that that's going to skate hard on the shifts that he gets, and he's a good north-south skater. Um, you know, he gets the puck up ice if you, you know, put the puck on a tape and let him go up the boards. I mean, he's kind of a one-trick pony, but it's a pretty good trick. It is, and uh, you give him much more than 10 minutes, and he, all the cracks start to show, but in that right. limited ice time, it works really well. Exactly. <clears throat> I think Wall realizes this, too. Um, you know, even when McLeod and Mitchell are getting a couple extra minutes on special teams, you know, Skilly's still limited in his role. I, I think they've got a really good uh, role set up for him. Well, um, speaking of off-season signings, how about the week Carl Soderberg's had? That's uh, about as good as you can ask for. I mean, uh, it makes you not miss the guy they didn't re-sign <laughs> that uh, they played against this week. Uh, I'm not saying he's a complete replacement, but uh, as far as value for the dollar, um, he's earned every bit of his contract so far. He's uh, third in the team in scoring, I believe, right now. And, uh, uh, I can double-check that. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. pretty sure that's still the same. He has... 34 points, one ahead of Gabe Landeskog, and five behind McKinnon, six behind Duchesne. You know what? Uh, a lot of people complain about him getting $4.75 million a year, and uh, I think with contracts the way they're going right now, I mean, that's a good second, eventually third-line center. It's hard to argue with a 55-point pace in 2016. Right. And it's not just assists either. They're not secondary points. I mean, he's scoring goals too and playing essential minutes on the penalty kill. Yes. Really, really good minutes. You mentioned the guy he replaced that we played uh, during the week. But one guy. I would argue that it's definitely not the one most people are thinking of because the kind of role that Soderberg is filling on this team is the kind of role Paul Stastny used to fill. You're exactly right. And uh, I can't take credit for that. Um I don't remember who it was that, that put it in my Twitter timeline, but I saw someone say that he was being Paul Stastny better than Paul Stastny's being for the Blues. Um, <laughs> and I said, yes, that's exactly the situation. <laughs> right. You know, if Paul Stastny wanted $4.75 million a year for five years when he left, uh, I think he'd still be in Colorado. Yep. And it's the kind of season to be putting up. You're right. Um you know, minus the injuries he's had recently. but Yeah, I mean, and, and Stasty may have a few more points than Soderberg does in Colorado just because of different line mates, but uh, hmm. that doesn't, not, three, not two to three million dollars more points. Nope, not at all. And uh, right now, Waz throwing everything at Soderberg, and, you know, he's stepping up to the plate every time. Saturday night also saw the return of one Eric Johnson. Um did you watch him very closely? I uh, occasionally, um, you know, I, I watched him be a little tentative at times. You know, it definitely looked like a game where you're coming back from injury after what was it? Nine games. Uh, you know, he wasn't there, but he had a couple of moments where he looked like old Eric Johnson and uh, we're happy to have him back. When we see him go coast to coast and we'll know he's back for, for real. Um, mm. But in the meantime, tenant of Eric Johnson is still, you know, a decent step up. Um, Zach Redman got the scratch on Saturday night in with uh, in favor of Andrew Bodnarchuk, aka fiftieth contract guy. Right. Um, we've already been well over that topic on this podcast. <clears throat> um, but we also saw earlier in the week that uh, Bigross stayed with the team and Zadorov did not. Which came to a surprise to a lot of people and not a surprise to some others. Um, you know, it's created a bit of controversy. I would argue that Bigra, in his time with the Avalanche, has played better than Zadorov did in the same time. You know what? Uh, certainly more consistently and on the third pairing in more limited minutes with not nearly the same kind of help on the other side. Uh, Zadorov had Francois Beauchemin. in. He was a veteran defenseman and was showing him the ropes, and his play was a little more up and down. Well, that's that's kind of become the running joke with Sidorov, right? Like he's gonna 
make an amazing play, and then five seconds later, make you put your hands on your head going, what was that? Right, and I would argue that the what was that moments that we saw this latest call-up were infinitely better than the first time around. And, uh, you know, the Avalanche played a few of their best defensive games while he was called up. Uh, the couple of plays where he's kind of getting rid of the puck uh, a little bit dangerously, you know, going up the ice. But right. I think on defense, you couldn't really ask anything more from him. It's definitely been a difference um, with having Bigron Zadorov and then just Bigron versus having Nate Ginnon back there. It's been night and day difference. Question from T. Wheelock on Twitter. I think it's Tyler Wheelock because uh, his display name is Tyler. Has replacing Gannon with Bigrod changed the defensive structure? They seem to be blocking fewer shots minus the Dallas game. I want to see if your answer to this is the same as mine. You know, that's not something I've noticed. Uh, it's also not been something I've been looking for very closely. I mean, it's tough to garner a lot of information uh, while watching a hockey game in live, real live time, but... I think they're still employing a lot of one three one, especially at the leads, and uh, they're still not very aggressive uh, at the puck on the blue line in their own zone, or and on the penalty I kill. Still, to my in infinite penalty. chagrin, pressure and the puck guy. They're still Go blocking on. a lot of shots. I'd have to get the statistics out to you know say something with some evidence, but that is not my observation yet. Um, I do notice one difference, and one very clear difference, and that's they attack the puck better when it's coming into their zone. Um, somebody's skating down the boards. Somebody like Chris Bigra just lunges at him, you know, takes the puck uh, body on body, steals it, gets the puck up ice. It's just not a play Nate Gennon ever made in his time with the Colorado Avalanche. Nate Gannon would sit in the middle, prevent the cross pass, and let that guy just hold on to it as long as possible. And uh, we're not seeing that right now to the young guys. B-Girl says, this is my zone, and you can't have it. And Zadorov kind of says the same thing. Right. But uh, He's more comfortable notice. as a weak side defender. Yeah. You, you notice it a lot more with B-Girl when the puck comes down his wing. Like, oh, well, we're just going to burn the rookie. And, well, now number three has stopped you. <laughs> he has and he's not uh, he's physical enough he's agile enough to get there and he's smart enough to know what to do with the puck afterwards it's been impressive to watch he hasn't had uh, what has he played six games now they haven't been six good games but I'd agree with been, that too they've been at least five mostly good games his first and, game was very tentative apart from that one just absurd pass he made from the point to the far post Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got four, we got the, the Blue Jackets game, and then three solid wins in the between there. Even if the team had no energy on one of them, there were three not bad wins. Right. And then, I don't know how well he played against Dallas, because all the Colorado sweaters kind of started to blend together. You had number one, and you had number two. Right. And you know what? You're not going to knock Chris Begra when the entire team plays the way they did. <laughs> It's uh, not an observation I'm willing to make. So I think I, I definitely think he's been good. And I did notice, um, what game was it? I want to think that it may have actually been the Buffalo game where uh, Begraw played on every pairing at some point. Right. I think that was the game that Zedaroff kind of started getting knocked down a little bit. Uh, Begraw started getting a little bit of time on the penalty kill. I believe, uh, minimal time. But I think that's kind of where he started to get a little more comfortable. He started jumping up in plays, uh, stealing pucks at mid-ice, and uh, being more aggressive. I don't know if he's had any PK time yet or not, I'm looking. Um, yeah, I'd have to look at that, too. But, but the, uh, the way that I kind of read that was that Waugh was trying... He got 11 seconds against St. Louis. Waugh was trying out different combinations like okay do where is Bigra going to fit on this roster right what can and he handle what can you not handle we didn't realize it at the time but uh they were making a roster move between him and Zadorov. exactly and uh he had to get a look at him on the top line there just to see what he could handle i mean i guess it was only fair 
and I guess he impressed. He's fit very well, and I'm I'm happy that a guy that we're all super high on has been able to come in and not look like he's completely out of place on this roster. Still a rookie, but not out of place. Uh, an improvement, even. Uh, a very clear improvement. Right. Well, we haven't seen a, a tough stretch for him yet, so, I, like, again, we're... we're Basing this, we're judging this on a small sample size, but uh, the sample size is getting bigger. And hopefully it'll continue to get bigger, and uh, as long as he's with the team, he's playing games. That's all I want to see. Right. If that means scratching Redmond and Bodnarchuk, then that's exactly what you do. Do you have any preference towards one of those two? Um, I honestly prefer Zach Redmond. Um, that's where I'm too. Which is mainly because... Redmond has such a good outlet pass most of the time. Right. Um, he's very sometimes weak. overly ambitious. Oh, but. Sometimes <laughs> overly ambitious, but you live with that for the 80% that are good. Right. Um, he's poor in his own zone. He's good in the neutral zone. Um, I'm not sure what Bodnar Chuck brings. He's played like three games, and at no point has he impressed. Right. So, you know what? I mean, uh, It'd be interesting to see where Wa goes again and see if he gives him another game just to see what happens. But right now, I just think he's playing uh, motivational games with his players. And he yep. needs as much as he can get out of Zach Redmond right now because it's not going to be a young guy. And uh, he, he needs Zach Redmond's best, which we all know is limited. But when it's good, it's, it's decent. And uh, it can help the team. Redmond's not amazing. Um, he had a much better season last year than he has had this year. And uh, I think Mike nailed it when he was on the show and said that there's option A, option B, and option WTF. And sometimes he chooses option WTF. Right. Which is uh, not uncommon for a lot of Avalanche defenders over the past couple of years. So <laughs> her standards are uh, being raised here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, you know... I would I will take the occasional option WTF over the beard of uh well Greg Zanin <laughs> that guy yes whoa Zanin that's the name I was looking for when that's we're looking at defensemen over the last couple of years that have been reasonably useless right you know I'd rather have somebody that has some upside on any given play yeah you know. Which Zach Redman is that guy to me. Yeah. A perfect seventh defenseman for this team overall. I mean, he's not such an asset that where you need to play him, you know, necessarily, but I think he's good enough on a third pairing every once in a while. And right now they kind of need him, so. I just want us to hurry up and reach that point where we can wave Bodnar Chuck <laughs> and Columbus can right. take him back. Do we decide what that is? Is that a 30 day thing? No, I'm just waiting, and when they when it's time, I hope they do it, because he has not done much. Right, and then we need somebody to take his contract back, don't we? Yep, because we got 50. Right. Just, we're, we'll be able to sit here and question that pickup for probably years. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. you know, I hate to keep hammering on it too much. No, nothing left to say on that one. So it's been a bunch of 2-1 games this week. Um, <clears throat> apart from last night, which was 3-1. And I actually went back and looked at this after the St. Louis game. The 2-1 games in Columbus, Winnipeg, and then against Buffalo and St. Louis, the, the goaltending had a combined 953 save percentage. It's not that we're not getting offense. <laughs> it's that goalies are playing their game. And it's not that we're not giving up offense. It's that Varley's playing his game. He is. Uh, once again... When he's healthy, he's a elite goaltender in this league. Um, the save percentage is climbing up. I think we're talking about it. it's nearly 0.92 again, and that's a career average. So, yep. After the absurd start to the year he had, it's very good to see that come back up because his start was a little bit pooper. Right, and that dip towards the middle was again uh, it coincided with an injury. Yeah. Which. Uh... Which brings up the fact that he just faced some probably 160 shot attempts in two days. Mm -hmm. 
which is a couple, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more than a few. Could it could be worse? It, it could have been two hundred. <clears throat> um, do you think we'll see Pickard in either game in California next week? It's a back to back. I think you should see Pickard. If not, then. <laughs> Well, Patrick Wad knows his guys better than we do, but I think that's a little bit much when you're trying to maintain the health of your number one guy. Well, we do this on this show and as a fan base every time. We say, all right, back-to-back, team gives up a lot of shots, you you don't want to wear out your top goaltender, it's a schedule loss with the starting goaltender, play Pickard, and then Varley does this bullshit. Right, which justifies every action Wad makes. (laughs) So uh, we don't have much of an argument here, do we? Not really. I mean, well, I could, but I could see Waugh going in and saying, "Well, after this, we've got the All Star break, and so he won't see any action for four days." So, right, give them both. Right, and there's a little bit of a break. We got two days rest in between games here right now, um, between Saturday's game and uh, I guess we've got Tuesday, right? So yeah, this is the first sure. two day break the team have had since the week after Christmas. Right. So that's a little bit of a rest, but. 106 shots at you that's uh that's a lot uh, i'm actually glad you brought up that statistic earlier i had not yet heard that that's the most shots since 2009 yep i i ran that in more on ice i was like all right give me a regular season games so that i can exclude triple and, and quadruple overtime playoff games and give me all situations right and split it by game and let's sort by Corsi 4. And number one was Toronto with 116 in a game back in 2009. And number two was Dallas yesterday. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, I believe it. Just watching that game was just brutal. It's like watching American Gladiators when that guy's just shooting that tennis ball gun at somebody. Now, see, here's the thing. Minutes. Somehow, I didn't think they were going to lose that game. You could see it in Varley's face, and you saw it in St. Louis, too. I mean, it's just nothing's getting by me. I mean, it was it's just that's, that look that a top goaltender gets. I don't think it was even him. It was the second shorthanded goal. After that, you saw Dallas, like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'll be, I'll, I'll be over here at the perimeter. Um, I'll just, like, I'll look super stiff on the bench. Um, please don't do that again. I'll be... Well, well, we shot and missed again, and hit the glass again, and we're getting owned by this goalie every game, so we have to hit the corners, and we're missing the net again. Right, looked a little defeated at some point. And, yeah. Uh, I think what they said on the broadcast is the first time they've had two short, the Avalanche have had two shorthanded goals since 2010. Yep. I mean, so that's been a long time, too. And we should note that the Avalanche played a little bit better in the third period. They were still getting a lot of shots up, but... They were also taking quite a few shots in their end, too. I would definitely agree with that. Um, the shot numbers in the third were... Actually, oh, just kidding. They only got four in the third. But it was better than the second. Yeah, it was. And they got some actual zone time as well, even if it wasn't useful zone time. They they right. kind of you know, kept the puck going in the right direction for a little while. Right, you saw the top line start to kind of cycle it around a little bit, maintain possession for a while, killing time. If a little bit. Um, before we move on, I got one last-minute question in from Thomas Gallant uh, on Twitter. It could be Thomas Gallant, but it looks like Thomas Gallant to me, and so by God, that's what I'm going to say. Will Grigorenko ever get a chance to play top six wing and more than ten minutes a game to return to that point? Um <laughs> My answer is not this year. That would be my answer, too. And uh, he's going to earn every bit of what he gets on this team, and I think Patrick Wall wants it that way. Um, again, uh, he's playing motivational tactic games, and you know he's pressed a lot of the correct buttons this year. And I, I think we can fault him in a number of ways as a coach, strategically and systematically, but I think he is a good motivator. I think he's probably what Greg Agredo needed, Greg Agredo needed at this point in his career. I, I think you might see him get a shot on wing next year. I really hope so. Um, I th- I don't think it's so much to do with Grigorenko at this point as it is to do with Alex Tangay. Right. They need somebody to fill that top six forward spot. Because here's maybe th- Rantan, but 
the thing is right now, Patrick Waugh is not going to sit him. It's not happening. No, he's one of the best. He's probably a top nine player on this team. But, well, the, I don't. That aside, he's not sitting him. Right. And Alex Tangay on the fourth line is a wasted space. Right. That's uh, a line a, that wants like to. He's skating hard. No, you want, you want a four check. You want to stop and start and stop and start. Tangs. And you want to cause face-offs in the offensive zone, which means taking shots. And he, d- he doesn't do any of those things. He right. waits, he picks his spots, and then capitalizes on them. In theory. Right. And uh, a lot of our reader fan base here has uh, been very uh, upset with him being on the first line. And I have mixed emotions about that. Obviously, he's not a first line player, but... Right now, I do think it's the best spot to mitigate his deficiencies because uh, the one thing he still does very well is make really nifty passes. Uh, he sees the ice very well still. He sees people darting back and forth, and he hits Duchesne and McKinnon every once in a while for good opportunities. I don't think they've connected on enough of them, but both of those two are fast enough to make up for any of his skating. What Tangay needs to not do is kill possible possessions by jumping off sides every other possession. But right now, I think it's a good spot for him because there's nowhere else to put him. Do you think that he's bringing Duchesne and McKinnon down? I don't believe that line is as good as it can be because of him. So uh, in that respect, yes. <laughs> But uh, I think there are worse choices for that spot than Tangay. Um, one of them being Jerome Aginla, I think, would be worse. I agree with that as well. I think Aginla's so, found a, a not bad home for himself on line three, to be right. quite honest. <clears throat> with Mitchell Very and... Very few uh, minutes. I mean, uh, we're calling it line three out of respect here, I think. Yeah, <laughs> let's be real. But, I mean, that's not a bad spot for him with Mitchell and Martinson, even though Martinson's game has gotten a little bit eye-crossing lately, too. Right, and part of me wonders if, you know, I think his talent's probably better maximized playing with better players as well. You know, I think we're kind of at the point here where some of this bad play is dragging down some of the marginal players on this team that could be good playing with better talent, better skill. Well, we will see. Right. Um, I don't think that... I, mean, I expect Martinson to be here for the duration at this point. Same here. <clears throat> I think he's got a good shot to make the team next year, too. Uh, I, I still think he's getting comfortable playing in this league here, and he's got some physical assets that no one else can bring on this team. And he's not a Patrick Bordalo. He can still skate. He's not taking penalties. He's not taking a lot of penalties, I should say. Not more and, than anyone else. Correct. And uh, I think he's going to find his niche on this team as a third or fourth line player eventually. Uh, right now, we don't have a lot of third and fourth line players to pair with him. Right. We got, well, you've got him with Mitchell, which is perfect. Well, they're concentrated on one line. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, McLeod and Skilly are definitely those guys. Mitchell's a guy like that, too. And uh, our other bottom six line is not comprised of guys like that. I I think I'm ready to move on. How about you? Yep. Um, I'm going to do a thing where I go to NHL.com. Slash standings. And I'm going to click on wildcard, and I'm going to see wildcard one is Colorado. Holy crap. How did that happen? And I'm going to say that this is nothing like anything I could have expected would happen at the end of October. I thought this season was dead in the water. I still don't think that they're going to hang on to this spot, but there is a chance. It still could happen. And it's not even a bad chance. It's not. I mean, uh, we should clarify that uh, Minnesota, Nashville, and Winnipeg all have two games in hand on Colorado. Yeah, but Winnipeg's nine points back. Ten points back. 
You're slipping. You know, uh, they're going to have to fight every inch for it. I mean, it's not going to be easy. This is still the best division in hockey, and it's not even close. And uh, Nashville's getting acclimated to having a number one center, and they haven't. I guess they won two in a row, but they haven't been that great. I think uh, four, five, and one, it says here in their last ten games. Nashville? They're going to be better than that. Yep. Oh, I mean, you think that, but they need to stop a buck, and Pecorine has not been Pecorine. No. And even worse in the last 10 games is Minnesota, who's 3-6-1. And, and I'm not necessarily sure what their deal is. I haven't been following their games, but... Meh, who does? Yeah, I mean, it's Minnesota. But you know what? Um, I like seeing Colorado on top of the wild right now. Um, that's a great feeling, and I hope the team feels just as good about it. Let's uh, stay there. It's going to be tough to do that. <clears throat> Because it seems like if you lose one game in this division, you suddenly are in the bottom of the division. Right. And I think it helps, too, that Colorado's probably got more to aspire to as well. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were you know, nine points down to Minnesota. And yeah. right now, they're just nine points back of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And they have just as many row. They both have 25 wins in regulation or overtime. And I'm, I'm not saying Colorado should catch them, but I think it's a good team to chase. Yeah, and th- that's the difference that we kept bringing up at the beginning of the year, which is you're, it's not just that you're losing games, that you're not even getting to overtime with them. Correct. And uh, right now they only have three overtime losses in the year. Uh, not a lot of teams only have three overtime losses. Nope, that's tied for the least with Washington and Los Angeles and San Jose and Calgary. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Yep, but the good teams in this league are getting to overtime, you know, and losses for the most part. Jeez. I mean, Washington's just winning everything in sight. Yeah, but. Washington's just about to lock up the President's Trophy. Right. There is one team in the league that's played fewer games than Washington. Two, actually, two teams that have played fewer, and they have five points above Chicago for second for the President's Trophy. It's just so real. Yeah. <laughs> they are outside their minds. They have only given up 100 goals, which is the least in the league. They've scored 155, which looks like it's second to Dallas. It's just ridiculous. They're doing it with defense for the first time since Ovechkin's been there. I mean, that's a revelation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that translates uh, after the regular season, right? Well, I mean, it depends on who they match up with first. You know right. that they it, that they cannot get past the Rangers for some reason. Every playoffs, they have to play the Rangers. So, we'll see how that ends up happening, and we'll see who comes out on top of it. Right. Well, good luck with that. Right now, Colorado would start the playoffs against, ooh, Dallas, I think. <laughs> or no, 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 no. It'd be, it'd be L.A., wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. It'd be Chicago, Minnesota, and then Colorado with L.A., and then Dallas, St. Louis, San Jose, Arizona. Man. <laughs> I'm not sure who I want to match up with. Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clicks? Tell you what, though. After uh, last night's game, not Dallas. Ooh, lot. I mean, that is an offensive firepower right there. I... I'm not sure how the Avalanche beat it, giving up that many shots. They can't win a seven-game series that way. They can't, but they don't always play Dallas that poorly either. Yep. In fact, when they do play Dallas, they win very frequently, don't they? Yeah, um, because they're owned by Simeon Varlamov. (laughs) According to their Wikipedia, right? Yep, that happened right after the game. Yeah, I went to look it up to confirm, and there it was, so it must be true. Yep. But it would most likely be Los Angeles at this point. Um, although, if you go by points percentage, it would be more likely to be Chicago. Which, that'd be a fun series, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Chicago's an entirely different animal in the playoffs. I don't know uh, if you can look at, the, at how well those teams play each other in the regular season and say, oh, that'd be a fun playoff series. But maybe it would. Yep, and that team's come together right now in a big way. 8-2-0 and their last 10. Yep. And they've um, lost their last two. <laughs> They've implemented all their new pieces uh, really admirably. I mean, uh, that team rebuilds better than anybody. Jealous. 
Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, somehow they just have uh, entry-level guys who are always fantastic. They draft well and they develop well. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully we can start seeing Colorado do that a little bit as well with Miko Renton and soon and Chris Bigaraw in the very, very near future. Right, and, but uh, it's more than okay. them too. I mean, uh, you need your depth in order to garner you NHL players. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, it, we've seen them make trades at the deadline uh, year after year when they're winning these cups or competing for them. And uh, that takes good drafting, too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you're not just drafting for guys to make your team. You're drafting to use them as assets as well. Exactly. And you're drafting guys to replace your current assets. Precisely. That's why you can lose a guy like Brandon Saad and not even worry about it. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> We're going to go be the best team in the Central again. Well, they're only three points up, and Dallas has two games in hand. So that's arguable. Yeah. But, you know. but they do have the most row in the West. And, and my prediction is they end up that way. I, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine the top three in the Central not being Chicago, Dallas, St. Louis in that order. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be, like, stunned if it wasn't in that order, but that seems the most likely. Are you a goal differential guy? Do you put any weight in that? Very slightly. Yeah. Me too. Um, right now, it's remarkable because the top three teams in the Central Division, plus 28, plus 28, then there's St. Louis, plus three, right. which uh, is two behind Colorado, four behind Minnesota. <laughs> I don't take that as necessarily, hey, that means they're good or, hey, that means they're bad. What I take that to mean is they're winning a lot of one-goal games. Correct. And that's not something that really repeats over time. It's pretty random as long as you're not talking... Uh, like, well, let's put it this way: when you include empty net goals, uh, it becomes a it becomes pretty repeatable in regulation, like slightly. Uh, mm -hmm. Overtime is a toss-up, right? And they have they've only won three overtime games, so. Yep. You know, to me, it also indicates good defense, and you're able to hold on to one goal leads. So yeah. There's a lot to read from it, but you know, they're not dominating teams like Chicago and Dallas have. Right. And I guess Dallas can just have a crap goaltender and not great defense if they have the puck all the time. Yeah. Oh, that top line. So good. We've been waiting for them to do this for three years, and they finally put it together. Fuckers. Right. And, well, speaking of Chicago, guys, Patrick Sharp's been really important to that team. I think he's grounded them pretty well. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, uh, what, he's got 18 goals. Uh, I think they said on the broadcast last night, that's a lot more than I thought he had. Yeah, I didn't didn't realize. Yeah, it's contributing. What about in the East? What's going on in the East? Oh, just, just Florida on the top of the Atlantic Division. No big Wait. deal. And been doing it without Ekblad for the most part. I think he just came back the other night. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that I've that he's been out, and then Tampa, after their slow start, has made it back to the to the playoff picture. Even though they are they're second in their division and three points out of not being in a playoff spot, so right, and uh, just one point ahead of Colorado, just to put that in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Atlantic isn't very very good. You got Florida and Tampa at the top, and Detroit. Uh, Boston sniffing it. Yeah. Know, Montreal, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it turns out without Carey Price, they have not been getting the goaltending to win games. Well, it shows you how important a good goaltender is, uh, just like last night's game against Dallas. Good goaltending can win you a lot of games you don't deserve to. Exactly. And honestly, Montreal's underlyings haven't changed. They've been, you know, decent. They've been good enough they should be winning. That's a team we probably should be trading for a goalie right now, shouldn't it? If Carey Price isn't going to be back for a month, then maybe so. I mean, you, you've got to do it. I mean, you can compete in that division. And you can, if you're looking for a goalie that can work in tandem with what you got, um, mm. you know? I know a certain player that might be available for a draft pick. Yeah, maybe we can get him healthy first. 
you know, I suppose that's useful. Yeah. It's tough to trade a goaltender who's only got one ankle. Even if his hat does have feeders. I've heard he's really good at uh, kicking soccer balls, though. So we got that going for him. He can use his good ankle to kick soccer balls. <laughs> that's that's really a shame that Bear has been hurt because he really would be not a bad trade piece the way he's played this year. Right. I mean, that'd be a really easy way for us to get that contract spot back. Uh-huh. And what, we trade a second-round pick for him? Get a third back. A third-round pick would be happy. You could probably get a second for him at the deadline the way he's played this year. Yeah. If he's healthy and comes back and continues playing the same way. Right, and he's not so expensive you can you can't put him behind a carry price, for instance. But I mean Chris like Stewart got a second. Oh, so <laughs> I'm sure that like that was what I probably I think it was a year or two ago, but if he can get a second, then a, a goaltender who, for a team that is hurting for goaltending. What is it about the second round draft pick in the NHL that makes it so disposable or so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the second round draft pick gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? Well, if you're selling for a second, then the pick is not worth a whole lot because it's lo lower in the second has a lot less value than higher in the second. Correct. Which is almost a first, you know. It's yeah. Brian O'Reilly. It's a crispy gras. It's a crispy gras. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, second round pick. Fine, go get one. Come on, Abs. Let's uh, get some health for your backup goalie. Trade him off immediately. <laughs> Trade a second for a healing potion. Apply it directly <laughs> to the ankle. Right. Um, <sighs> nothing else interesting happening in the East because it is the East. It is the East. Anything that you feel like we really need to talk about this week? Uh, you know, Zadaroff demotion still gets me a little bit. Okay. Uh, did we talk about that a little bit? Not really. Um, he was was he demoted yesterday or Friday or Thursday? He was Demoted after the St. Louis game. I thought that was what I, was what I remembered too. And apparently he uh, went back down to San Antonio with the best attitude in the world. Well, uh, that is the company line anyway, so we'll go with it. Mm -hmm. um, he did have two assists in his first game with San Antonio. Uh, one of them to Miko Rantanen for one of his three goals that evening. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I wonder at this point if, one, he still would have been better than Redman. You know, pair him with Eric Johnson or something like that for a week and see what you can get away with. Uh, I mean, I still wonder what there is to learn at the AHL level. Because that's, that's what it is for him, is they want him to continue to be developing. And uh, if they're not, like... I don't think it should be about whether he's better than Redmond. I think it should be about which team suits futures a door off better. Right. And that's a valid argument. I mean, because we're not necessarily playing for results this season. I mean, we need him for the coming seasons. Yes. And it needs to be an important part of it. But your question is well taken. How much can he still learn in the AHL? Because, like... If it depends on how much he's going down and dominating. He may be a guy who's up and down the rest of the year, and that might be fine. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bad guy to ask because I don't catch AHL games. It's not included in my cable package. You know, I don't have, <laughs> a, I don't have your fancy apps and Roku's and Game Center Lives that the rest of you... you or know, half have. a mint to spend on AHL Live. Holy crap. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, I don't see him play down there. So I, I'm not a great opinion for that. You know, so I defer to our good friend Earl, for instance. And, uh, you know, apparently he's still got things to learn down there. That's the word anyway. So, yeah. All right, Earl, we'll go with that. Because if it's about for right now, his upside with bumps is better than Redmond's upside with bumps. It is. <clears throat> That I don't think the bumps are worse, and I definitely think the upside's better. I, I think his average between the high bumps and the low bumps is better than Redmond's average. Also uh, probably true. Right. 
I think right we could see him again before the end of the season. So obviously we're not uh, making anything. We're not making any decisions here that are final, but. You know, I, I think I would have liked to see him for another stretch of five games, even with Johnson back. I think that would have been a pretty cool pairing. Um, get Johnson a little acclimated. You're trying to save some of these guys for the end of the season. You know, you don't need to play Eric Johnson 27 minutes a game coming off a lower leg injury. You know, I, I would have liked to see that for a couple of games. Yeah, Wally leaned really heavily on his top guys last night just because of the nature of the game. I mean, we need to not wear Francois Beauchemin. I mean, he's been fantastic all season, but he's not going to be if you're playing him 27 minutes a game. And if you are talking playoffs and you have played him 27 minutes a game, you're going to see a Francois Beauchemin that gets walked for six games on your way out the exit. Right, which is what happened in Anaheim last year, was it not? Mm-hmm. I think it was five, though. Right. No. To the good old Flams who forgot temporarily how to be the Calgary Flames. Right. Well, um, possession regression, right? It's yeah. the name of the game. Yeah, so it goes. Yeah. So we have two games to break down for next week. On Tuesday, oh, I should probably first say, go ahead and schedule naps for next week. Um, make sure you're going to bed real early Monday night because you're going to need it. Uh, Tuesday, 8 o'clock Mountain in San Jose, <laughs> which is, un- it is national. That's going to be on Sportsnet, the old not versus. And then Wednesday, the next day in L.A., also national, at 8.30 Mountain. The good old 7.30 local start in California, the bane of everyone. <laughs> Uh, more so for you than me, but uh, most of us in general, yeah. Unless you're on the West Coast, that sucks. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're living over there where Earl, for example, is at, that's a 10.30 start. Ow. Man. <laughs> well, um, you know, we're looking forward to these games, though. Me and Los Angeles has been pretty good all year, and uh, San Jose is pretty much right where the Avalanche are. 53 points to 55, I guess, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Colorado and San Jose match up together pretty well right now, as opposed to recent years when it's just been like, well, here goes our 6-3 loss. Right. Please, Joe Thornton, I'll, I'll bend over, just get it over with. <laughs> Go ahead and get your four and uh, and whip it out, and we'll just take pictures, I guess. Yeah, that team was talking about trading important pieces, and they've been on a good run themselves, 7-2-1 uh, and one in the past 10. And, uh, you know, they're not going to catch Los Angeles, but... I. The way the playoff structure is, I think they're in. They sh- think they're better yeah. than all the other teams in that division. They should be able to outpace Arizona. They should. Mm-hmm. And as we get through February and into March, we'll see how long Arizona can hold on to that spot. I suspect that it's not for long. You think Vancouver catches them? You think Anaheim finally figures out their, the Anaheim Ducks and gets in? I... It, Anaheim's got a lot of points to make up still. Right. Well, That's... shoot two back. Two points, it looks like. Wait, really? But... I thought, thought they were farther back than that. Nope, they got 49 points. Uh, Arizona has 51. Let me just hit the go look at the Avalanche number one wild card spot button. <laughs> and see what else might be on that page. Yeah, Anaheim 49, Arizona 51. Yeah, it could be them. Yeah, the... The Avalanche wildcard button is a hot key on my keyboard, by the way. <laughs> you got a macro programmed right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to keep that handy. Um, yeah, Anaheim's at 49. They uh, they should be completely boned based on the beginning of the season they had, which was somehow twice as bad as Colorado's. But they're still Anaheim. Uh, President's Trophy last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and what'd you do? You lost Francois Beauchemin, that was it? Yeah, and somehow they are the only team in the league to have not scored 110 goals. They're also the only team in the league not to have scored 100 goals. <laughs> but they've also, for example, played four fewer games than the Avalanche have, so... Yeah. Right. They'll get there. This schedule's yeah. so freaking screwy. By the time it they is. get to the second half of February, when they have six games in two weeks, they're going to have five or six games up on teams. It's, gonna, it's ridiculous. 
Right. I think Colorado's an advantage right now because uh, they're going to have a couple of off days where some of these teams do not. So we're going to catch the teams on some back and backs. Um, you know, the East Coast weather is obviously canceled a couple of these games. Right. So. Anaheim mm -hmm. had one of those, yeah. Right. Guys, it's only snow. Just plow it. It's cool. I promise. I don't know. They only got like three feet of it. Been there. Insanity over there. Cats and dogs living together in igloos. 67 inches when I was in seventh grade, man. Uh, Holy crap. Yep, in Colorado. 67 inches that drifted over the garage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've seen a four-foot drift at once in my life. Yeah, uh, we built an igloo for the first and only time that'll ever happen, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's a hell of a time. So my prediction for next week is two points. And that it comes against San Jose. <laughs> uh, we're in agreement. That's what it is. Uh, Avalanche have played some tough games against St. Louis, and that was brutal against Dallas. They're going to be tired for one of these. And it's going to be against the Kings, uh, the game before the All-Star break. Young team loses focus and heads into the uh, six-day break with a loss. So Probably true. Points. Um, both games are national, so it'll be, everyone's going to be stuck with the Sharks and Kings feeds because they are the late game, so you won't get the A crew. <laughs> it's all right. We can use some objectivity, right? Oh, I like the Sharks feed. Honestly, they're not bad. Yeah. Um, the Kings feed is pretty frustrating, but it's not as bad as it used to be because mm -hmm. we don't have Paul Stosny anymore to irritate us. Mm-hmm. And then we got the All-Star game over the weekend. Watch, uh, Matt Duchesne go ham. Yeah, you going to watch that? I probably will. I always watch the skills competition because it's always such a laugh. Yeah, um, I like those things. I'll probably watch a little bit of the All-Star game. Right, I'll, I'll see if it compels me in the first period or so. Actually, I haven't even heard of how they're arranging the time. They're, just, uh, they're not doing 60 minutes, obviously, are they? No, they're doing three 20-minute games. Okay, cool. Two divisions yeah. play for 20 minutes, and the other two play for 20 minutes, and the winners play for 20 minutes. Oh, so that's easy. Yep. Yeah, that's not that bad. Um, I imagine I'd watch some of that. I mean, you got to see Captain John Scott, right? Yeah, that's the whole reason. It's like, well, what's what's he going to actually accomplish? We'll see. Hey, you guys want a spectacle? Um, there it is. <laughs> Will they ever allow him to wear the ice caps jersey? Probably not, but maybe. He I mean, wants to. <laughs> what are you going to let him wear? I mean... He's never once played a game for the Canadians, has he? Nope. Yeah, so I don't know. I think he's going to be stuck wearing an uh, NHL sweater. That'd be interesting. That'd be unfortunate. Right. He wants to wear the ice cap jersey. I say let him. <clears throat> yep. I but mean, nobody uh, asked me. You eat it at this point. Just eat your problem. Eat the mistake. Nobody asked me. You think they would? So at any rate, um, well, I haven't decided what's going to happen with the show next week. We might have it. We might not. We'll see what special star edition, right? Yeah, we'll we'll see what people are gonna are gonna do. We may show up or we may not. Um, exactly in keeping with the Avalanche, who play like garbage and then play awesome and then play like garbage. <laughs> but it's been fun though. Yeah, it has been. It's been a lot more fun having hope than having nothing last year. This season's been a lot more fun for fans, and I think we're starting to see some of the upside the team could have, and seeing some of these young guys show up and play well has been pretty nice to watch. Yep. But whether they play well or play terribly, uh, one place you could find out is right here on the show. Um, usually on late Sundays and posted on the site on Monday mornings. You can keep up with the, with the show on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast or on MixCloud at MixCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast or on iTunes, search for Mile High Hockey Podcast and subscribe and uh, it'll head straight to your ear holes once a week as soon as it's up and you refresh your podcast because it doesn't just like talk to your computer directly. What do you think this is? Keep up with the newest Avs news and updates on Mile High Hockey at MileHighHockey.com. Follow us on Twitter at MileHighHockey or at Facebook.com slash MileHighHockey. And in between now and then, we'll see you at the All-Star Game. And then after that, I don't know, sometime.
Cool. I don't know. Maybe I can find some people to do like a uh, record a show during the All Star game or something. Yeah, little uh, a live take. <laughs> yeah, we we, we oh. we've done that at the trade deadline before. We've done that on a free agency day before. Yeah, edit it down a little bit for oh. boring parts. No, edit it down a lot. Yeah. Those shows are a lot of work. On the trade deadline, I took off that afternoon from work and like came home and started recording immediately. And I was done and posted the show at 8 p.m. Nice. I did not stop. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when we do this thing like at 2 or 3 and it's up by 8, it's because after the show I've done fuck all for a while. Mm-hmm. Um. Those, that The uh, trade deadline show was straight to 8 o'clock. That's cool, though. It was yeah, fun. You know, you know that thing where everybody just exclaims whatever they want to on Twitter? You have the words. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, was, it was interesting last year just kind of hearing the, th- the three of us that were here slowly devolve into madness as we discovered, oh, they're not actually going to trade you on Hayda. <laughs> and they should have. If they could have, I mean, they may they may not have been able to after we took him half the year this year to even get a tryout in the AHL. I don't know. Right, he couldn't have passed the physical, perhaps. So, you know, poor guy. He probably deserved a little better. And those that was also the show that introduced us to one T Matt and his mustache eyebrows, which is <laughs> still the funniest thing that we've ever come up with. I think. I'm pretty sure it's the reason they allow him on the team still. Yeah. It's it's so that they can single handedly dominate No Shave November, because he's got three mustaches. That's tough to beat, man. I've been working on it. Got the mustache fucking hat trick. 